what's on the inside. Sanctification. We all know the basic meaning of it as being set apart. Set apart. And we give the definition set apart. So we know that, but being set apart from something to something is sometimes what we leave off. You're being separated from something to something. And uh, we need to try to grasp that a little bit more of what we're being separated from and what we are being separated to. Because it's important in our daily lives of how we're going to live. And if we don't practice it, we don't do it. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your word, and we pray that you would bring your word alive unto us. That, Lord, you would give us a deeper understanding. That, Lord, your spirit would be our teacher. And that, Lord, we would sit at the feet of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and learn of him. Lord, the psalmist wrote the right words when he said, more of Jesus, more of Jesus, I would know. And we are a people in this day and time that need to know more of Jesus, more of him. For he is our example in all things of life. Help us to see him in that fashion. But give us the courage and the heart to want to be like him. Help us to want to walk closely to him, not at a distance from him. Help us to desire him, Lord. And Lord, train our ears to hear you. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Sanctification. It has the same meaning as holiness, consecrated, sanctified, devoted. A saint. All come from the same root word. How many of you see yourself as saints? Do you understand that a saint is just a child of God? not some special thing you had to go through. But the moment you are saved, you are a saint. You're something different than what you were before. Sanctification is something that has to take place in our lives daily. Because it's part of that dying to self that involves also sanctification. If you're not changing daily, you're not growing. It don't have to be some big leap, bound, something huge thing that takes place in your life. It has to be something small. You ever see a child learning to walk? They don't take what? Large steps. They're taking what? 
small steps. Growing in the Lord is not usually taking leaps and bounds and large steps. It's taking small steps. The small things that I recognize in my life that is changing. Where does the change first start? It's not so much that you notice a change outwardly as you recognize a change in how you're thinking and your thought life. When it comes to the Lord, it's not about a wannabe. It's about this is what you are going to be that he wants to plant in your mind. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. He knows what you're doing. But then, before God can really change you, he has to implant it up here in the mind so that you think it. As a man thinketh, what? So is he. In other words, he starts to perform, he starts to do as he thinks or as she thinks. Then as you start into the doing process, you begin to see the little change take place in your life. And sanctification is one of those things that we need to see that we are being set apart for God. Not to this world, not for something else, but to God. But to God. And what does it mean also? Part of the meaning is this here. As I went back in to study some of this word, and you can do a lot of studying on this word, sanctification, sanctified, holiness, consecrated. It means to stand in awe. As parents, do your children stand in awe of you? And what it basically means, a high respect. Are they seeing you in such a way that they highly, highly respect you? You're just not mom or dad. Uh, They have a high respect for you. And they stand in awe of you. Because how they see you. One of the things that has been lost in America is having pride in a family name. Muslim world, Eastern world still has quite a bit of it. They want to honor mom and dad. They want to honor the family name. In America, family name means nothing. (laughs) It's whatever I want to do. There's no thought about bringing shame to the family name. There's no thought about bringing shame to mom and dad. There's no thought about bringing shame to the Lord. There's no thought about it. Only thing we want is self-pleasure. Do what I want to do. Please me. Forget about everybody else. 
A sanctified life puts us on a path of dying to self. Because if you're not willing to die to yourself or let self go, then there's no room for God. Only when you are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to set you apart for the use of God and for the glory of God, are you willing to die to yourself? If not, then life is all about who? Me. About me. Sanctification is a separation to God, yet our confirmation to the image of Christ. Without sanctification taking place in our lives, we never start on the road of becoming like Christ or in the image of Christ. We never start on that road or on that path. And I want to show you why, even from Scripture. A lot of times when we talk about Jesus, we think somehow everything he did and so forth and doing, it's just automatically him. There's something special about Jesus. Did Jesus have to be sanctified? Did he have to go to sanctification since? And I hope we can show you that through scripture. Because he's our example in everything. If we can't see it in his life, we can't see it in our life. And if Christ did it, and he's my example, I should do it. He never asked me to do what he himself has not done. He never asked us to do what he himself has not done. Now, I'm going to take you to a verse, and you're the one who's going to have to answer this question. We have it so as that if you accept Jesus Christ, and I don't know when you say that you're saved or you accepted the Lord, that if you really meant it, if you were sincere, or if you just did it because you were told to do it, uh, I don't know the sincerity of your heart. God does. But God puts a question mark up there for all of us to also look at. And we have to look at it. And if we look at it in its totality and its truth, it's a real challenge to us because it's not an easy answer. Go to Hebrews 12 and verse 14. And then you have to ask this question. Is this part of my life? Is this how I'm living? Is this something I really desire? Is this something I'm chasing after? See, God never called us to be, in a sense, perfect. 
But he wants us to be on a path that is going towards perfection. He wants us to be on a path that's going towards holiness. He wants us to be on a path that's going towards concentration. He wants us to be on a path that's after him, after his image, after his likeness. A lot of us say we're saved, but guess what? You're walking this way from him. And all the time while you're walking away from him, you're trying to convince yourself that you're saved or somebody else. And if you really get into scripture, scripture will tell you you're not saved. Man doesn't have to tell you that. I don't have to tell you that. Scripture will allow you to know where you are. Just like a compass will. A compass will allow you to know if you're going north, south, east, or west. You just got to look at it and believe it. All you got to do is look at Scripture and believe it. To know whether or not you're saved or not. And what's going on in your life. Some of us, we've just been convinced, though, as the song says, come up, put your hand in the hand of the man of God. The man of God can save you. I can't save you. Melvin can't save you. None of us individually here can save the other. All we can do is be a witness of what God has done in our life. But we cannot save one another. But scripture has the power to save. To lead us to the one who is able to save us and keep us and grow us. So in Hebrews 4 and verse 14, he says, make every effort. Now who has to do that? When he says make every effort, who has, who is he talking to? Us. It's something we have to do. We have to do it. We do it in dependency of God, but we're doing it. It's not something God has already done. Understand this about sanctification now. The moment you are saved and you are truly born again, you've been set apart by God. That's a work of God regardless of what you do. That's a work of God. He sets us apart. Then there's that initial work that the Holy Spirit is doing now with us in which we come to a place to say, I'm set apart for the glory of God. I'm set apart to be used of God. I'm set apart because of who I am in him. But that's the part now you and I have to do. And that's why he says, you make every effort. You have to do something now. And he says, Make every effort to live in peace with who? All men. No matter 
what their race is, ethnic background is, what their behavior is, what they look like, short, tall, great, have a title, no title, rich, poor. You make every effort to live peacefully with every individual. He said, you do that. Now he takes another step with it. And to be holy. And to be holy. That as you are practicing being peaceful with a person or living with a person, you demonstrate in your life a holiness. A holiness. A person separated for God's use. A person who is separated for God to glorify him. You do that. I have to do it. Each one of us have to do it. And he says, now, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy in their presence when you're with them. You're always with somebody, even if you're with me or I or you. You're always with somebody. And he says, live holy before them. Even when you're by yourself, learn to practice living holy. And he goes on, he says, and this is the part you have to ask now. And this becomes the telltale truth. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now the question is, is that true or is that false? If it's not true, then God is a liar. If it's true, then God has to keep it. Because the whole purpose of Jesus Christ is to bring us to holiness. But if there is not holiness in our life, then that verse is saying, you won't see God. Not about what your mouth says. It's about your life now. Without holiness, a person will not see God. Is that true or is that false? Every one of us have to answer that for ourselves. Go to First Peter chapter one, verse fifteen. First Peter chapter one. Verse fifteen. But just as but just as he who called you is holy, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy. Be holy in all you do. All your actions, all that you do should be done in such a way that God is glorified. See, if you really believe God will meet all your needs, you never have to steal. The question is, do you believe God would make meet all your needs? If you really believe that, you never have to steal. He says, you can ask me anything. If you really believe that, 
Lord, I need dinner on my table. I have nothing in the refrigerator. And trust God. Elaine and I, even while I've been in the pastorate, I've had the electric off in my house and just had to wait for God to provide to turn it back on. That was the young days when we first started out. There's things that we suffer through in life and God provides. But you have to learn to what? Wait on him. Our problem is that we don't teach ourselves to wait on him. And if we don't wait on him, we don't see him work. But if we have the patience to wait, we'll see something miraculous that he does in our lives in very personal ways. And Peter simply says here, but just as he who called you is holy. Now, he's holy And because he's holy, that is what we see as our parent, the one we call father. He's holy, and I want to be what? Like him. Like him. Now, who helps provide that? Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. And remember the word sanctified and all comes down to one thing too, holy. Consecrate, holy. Look at verse 30 there. Therefore, uh uh-uh, Get my eyes. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us. Now look what he's become for us. Wisdom from God. If I need wisdom, all I need to what is ask. That is our righteousness. It's not of my own righteousness. It's of his righteousness that God works in my life in your life. And now catch the other word. Holiness. Holiness. Sanctified. Set apart. Consecrated. He's been made that for me. He's been made that for me. Where do we really see that at? Go back to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. And by that will, now you got to ask the question, whose will? God's will. God's will. And by that will, we have been made what? Holy. Holy. By God's will. By God's will. 
we've been made holy. Oh, we are being made holy. By what? God's will. We are being set apart by whose will? God's will. We are being consecrated by whose will? God's will. And it says, He, Jesus Christ, and by that will you have been made holy through the sacrifice. What's the sacrifice? The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So Jesus Christ, because of his death, we who believe in him, his work and what he performed and what he did for us. For us. Now, how is sanctification seen in the life of Jesus? And that's what I want to focus on for a moment or two. Sometimes we just take Jesus as being God and that he can do anything, everything. One of the things about sanctification is this. It limits you. It limits you. If you're going to be sanctified, you're going to be consecrated to one use for one purpose, the Lord Jesus Christ. It limits you from everything else then. It stops you. Joanna, are you married to him? Why not date Roscoe? Who told you that? See? Oh, really? How long you been married? Hey. Hey. See, and, and the whole thing, as long as I'm saying I'm married to Roscoe, I'm married to Charles, it what? It limits me. But who has to say that? See, Charles can say, Joanna's my wife. Joanna's my wife. But if she don't say it, it don't mean anything. She'll be all around everywhere. But she's the one who got to say, he's my wife. You're the one who got to say, Roscoe's my husband. He's my husband. If not, you're around everywhere. We're going to see in scripture where Jesus says, I'm his son. I'm his son. I'm his son. See, we have to own it. Is God really your God or is God just your religion? You have to answer that. Are you really his daughter? Are you really his son? 
do you really belong to him? And if you do, you practice sanctification. These children right here know who their mom is. Guess what? They don't run up to somebody else calling them mom. Why? They know their mom. Nobody else to them has that title. Nobody else to them really meets their needs like mom. That is, again, sanctification in a sense. Because they are separated from all the other women in the world down to just this one woman who they call mom. Because sanctification limits you. It limits you. And a lot of us don't want sanctification or be sanctified or be holy or be consecrated because it limits us. It stops us. We can't have everything we want. It limits us. And how does sanctification, how is that seen in the life of Jesus? Jesus never again, he never asked us to do what he has not done. And he is our example. Hebrews 2.18. Hebrews 2.18. Look what it says. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. Jesus was tempted? Yes, he was tempted. He was tempted just like you and I are tempted. But without sinning. I was watching a program on Jesus and and when the uh, person who was speaking telling the story of Jesus saying Jesus may have been married to Mary Elaine was done with it. She wouldn't watch it no more with me. You know. And the whole process is to hear the thoughts of what people have about Jesus. And it says he was tempted. Now, you don't think Jesus looked at a beautiful woman? But he didn't have to sin. He had women around him all the time. He didn't have to sin. And I don't think there was one wrong thought that entered his mind about a woman. When you're tempted, you don't have to act on it. Because you know that temptation comes from who? From the enemy. Where do you stop it at? You stop it at the door. You don't have to let it in. You don't have to dwell on it. You stop it immediately and you know, you know if you're a child of God, you know when you have the wrong thought. Now the question is, where does that thought come from? 
And you're the one that has to weigh it. Is it from God or is it from the enemy? And everything that comes from the enemy, you, if you know the word of God, the word of God, the Holy Spirit will bring it into your mind. And you got to make a decision. Are you going to believe God or are you going to believe Satan? Because Satan will come against God's word. And that's what's so important for the believer to really know God's word. That they can distinguish who's speaking. In their thought life, is it Satan? Is it God? And he says he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Why? Because he himself was tempted. And he's able to help us who are being tempted. He knows what we struggle with in that thought life. He knows what we're struggling with when something's presented to us that looks good and is really not good. He knows what's going on in our bodies when that is before us. He knows those things because he was tempted in all ways in which we are. 415 Chapter 4 and the 15th verse. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Now, some would say, well, he wasn't weak. He was God. Let me let you in on a little something. The same person that he has given unto us to depend upon, Jesus had to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Remember when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And the work of the fleshly man, Jesus, is now dependent upon the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself, yes, being God, in one sense lay his deity and all his power to the side to demonstrate to us how to live in the spirit, in obedience to the spirit. And that's where we are. Do I obey the Holy Spirit or do I obey the world? And he says again, boy, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Well, you say, well, Jesus hasn't had anybody who offered him $100,000. No, Satan offered him the world. Well, he don't know what it is to be hungry. And Satan's challenge to him was, you have the power. Just move those stones and they'll become bread. But because he's like us, and we can't speak to the stones, and they become bread, it limited him. It limited him. That he could not use his power to even satisfy his own hunger. And when you are sanctified and you are dedicated and you've been consecrated to something, you have 
been limited. And we don't want to be limited. Now, Jesus was set apart by God. And, and, and for us, that can be a difficult one for us to handle and to get our minds around. Go over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. And then we're going to go over to Colossians 2, 9. And we're going to try to put those two things together. And uh, what I want you to see is this awesome God. In verse 6, it says in Philippians 2, who being in the very nature God. So what is the scripture telling us? Jesus Christ is God. 100% God. He is God. No question about it. Who being in the very nature, all that God is, whatever it is that makes up God, that's what Jesus Christ is. God did not consider equality with God. When you really know who you are, you don't have to be like somebody else. When you really know who you are, you're not chasing the Joneses or the Smiths or this person or that. You know who you are. And you are very content and satisfied in who you are. And he says, boy, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. This is not something I have to gain. Why? This is not something I have to go get. Why? I already have it. Already have it. See, when a woman is really loved by her husband, she don't need anybody else to love her. But when a man is really loved by his wife, now he may act foolish. And that's the difference sometimes between the man and the woman. Is that he also understands. He don't need anyone else. And he knows who he is. He knows what he has. But listen to verse 7. But made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. That's what sanctification does. Separate. Now, I want you to catch this truth here that we're going to speak about next. Jesus Christ is 100% God. But God then, in this council of God, this Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one is chosen to put on flesh. The Father did not put on flesh. 
The Holy Spirit did not put on flesh. Only one put on flesh. Jesus Christ. Sanctification, sanctified, consecrate, has within its meaning being called or chosen for a certain task or thing. And Jesus is called to a certain task, to a certain work, to a certain thing. And he is then set apart or sanctified in order to do what he himself now is going to do in putting on this flesh and blood. He is now set apart in a sense Godhead, and this is what our minds cannot grasp. Yet being God, set apart in the flesh, yet being totally God and man. That's hard for us to grasp. And that's where our faith comes in. See, in Islam, it is taught Allah, God, could never have flesh. That's one of the reasons Jesus Christ is only a but not God because God is too holy too pure to put on flesh and blood so it's taught in the Quran that God could never come down here and dwell with man because of who he is well our God is just the opposite the God who created us and gave us life came down here to redeem us in order that we may have life with him Go, go over to Colossians 9. See, we can put these two things together. For in Christ, remember, over Philippians, he's in the very nature. What you are is what you are. You can't change that. And he, he says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity, all that God is, all the fullness of the deity of the Godhead. Follow the verse. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That's why Jesus could say to Philip, you ask if you've seen me, you've seen who? You've seen the Father. You've seen all the deity of God in me. In me. You see all that God is in me. For in Christ is all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In bodily form. Now, I want you to go to John and we're going to look at something and see if you can identify now where Jesus Christ and the two things I want you to look at when we hit these next two sections of scripture. 
is Jesus himself, in a sense, being set apart. And then the second one is when Jesus himself sets himself apart. See if you can identify it, that you can see it. So in John chapter 10, 36, he says, and this is in answer to verse 24. Now maybe we need to read a little bit about 24 first. In verse uh, 10, 24, he says, The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. If you are the Savior, if you are the Christ, if you're the anointed one, if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus goes through a list of stuff, his miracles and so forth and things that he did. But he really sums up somewhat here in 36. He says, what about the one whom the Father set apart? What did the Father do? The Father set him apart. What does set apart mean? Sanctified. Sanctification. Consecrated. The Father set him apart. Now catch the next line. As his own son. I'll have to dig into this a little further, but I think I could really come up with a good argument for it in in a theological circle. Before Jesus took on flesh and blood, now I argue from the argument of silence. You never hear him called the Son of God. Why? He's God. He's God. After he puts on flesh 80 times in the New Testament, you hear him called the Son of God. But he's also called what? The Son of Man. Why those two titles? He comes to represent who? God. And he's representing who? Man to God. He's called the Son of Man because he's representing us. Humanity to God. He's called the Son of God because he's representing God to us. To us. And he says there, boy, what about the one who the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world and sent into the world who was sent into the world go back to John 3.16 he sent his what one and only 
Now, even the Mormons, when they get to heaven, are supposed to be gods, and they're going to have all kinds of wives in order to have all kinds of children. And here's the God of God, the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, the living God. One son? Because when he comes to us, he comes with the title, the Son of God. And takes on that title, the Son of Man, representing God and man. And one person, Jesus Christ. And he goes on and he says, When then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, now listen to what he says. I said I am God's son. What is he doing? He's not saying I am God. He's not saying I'm equal with the father. Why? He already is. He knows that. But now... He's being the servant in order to carry out what? The will of God. He's been dedicated, consecrated, set apart to do one thing, to carry out the will of God in order to redeem you and I. Can you see that? He says, I'm sent. I'm sent. I am the son of God. When's the last time you've ever said, because it's one of the things that will hold you close to God and keep you from sin. I am a child of God. I am the daughter of God. I am the son of God. To remind yourself of what? Who you are. And you need to tell yourself, when Jesus says, I am the Son of God. I am the Son of God. I am a child of God. I am a saint of God. I am a person of God. We need to remind ourselves who we are in Christ. And don't allow Satan to call us something else. It's not about what I used to be. It's not about what I was. It's not about where I came from. It's about what I am today. I am a child of God. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. And Jesus says, I am. And he was set apart by the Father to be our mediator. He was set apart by the Father to be the Lamb of God. He was set apart by the Father to be the Savior, to be the Anointed One. He was set apart by God in order to put on flesh and taste death for us. He was set apart. So that limits him. Here is God limiting himself. And because we want and we desire to be holy and sanctified and consecrated, we limit ourselves to the things that are offered in this world. We teach ourselves to limit ourselves in our sanctification, in our consecration to Him, to our devotion to Him, 
He's not going to make you. You can do anything you want to do. He's called you to freedom and liberty. But all things are not expedient for you. All things are not good for you. All things are not wholesome for you. All things are not going to profit you. All things are not going to benefit you. Yes, you got a right to do it. But who do you hurt? Who do you hurt? And he says, boy, I'm set apart. Now, I want you to catch that part where he really says, that the Father set me apart. Now go over to John 17. Look at verse 19. Vic's trying to rush me. You've got to use an excuse whenever you have one, don't we? <laughs> but, but in chapter 17, I want you to really catch what Jesus says. Jesus says it. Look at verse 19. Look what he says. For then, and I want you to really hang on the word, I. I. I made this choice. I submitted to the will of the Father. I said yes to being the Lamb of God. I said yes to putting on flesh and tasting death for every man. I said, yes. And he says here, I sanctified myself. God the Father sets him apart. That's the initial thing that happens with us when we're saved. We're set apart. If you're really saved, you've been set apart. But there comes a time that you got to say to yourself, I sanctify myself unto God. And I live for him. I live for him. I set myself apart. It's not God making you set yourself apart. It's not something else pushing you or forcing you to do it. It's you yourself saying, I sanctify myself. Let's go to Rilla and Joanna. They both have to sanctify themselves in order just to be with who? Their husbands. They have to let everything else go by. Now, Roscoe, you might be a good-looking man, but I think I'm better looking than you. Don't you think a, a Rilla should have the best? And see, that's what it boils down to. Do you have the best in Christ? Do you have the best in Christ? Do you have the best in God? See, that whole process, do you really believe you have the best thing going for you in Jesus Christ? And Jesus says, I sanctify myself. Not being forced to do it. But I sanctify myself. For what reason? He says, he gives the reason why. For them. Who's the them? That's us. 
that he chooses to sanctify himself for us. That we too might be what? Sanctified or set apart. He chooses to be the example for us that we follow in his footsteps and then we ourselves become examples for others that will follow us and set themselves apart for Christ. People have to see us set apart and really living for Jesus. They have to see that. If they don't see that, if they don't hear that in us, a love for Christ. See, people shouldn't have to guess if you love Christ. People shouldn't have to guess if Elaine and I love each other. If you're married, people shouldn't have to guess if, if you're really in love with each other. And that doesn't mean you don't have sprats, you don't have potholes, you don't have ups and downs, you don't have issues. Elaine's had a lot of issues with me. But the whole, you don't have to punctuate it, but but the whole process, she has sanctified herself to me. I couldn't make her do that. Nobody could make her do that. She has to do it. Jesus says, I sanctify myself unto them. Have you sanctified yourself, set yourself apart for Jesus? Have you made that decision? See, the mouth can mouth a lot of religious stuff. But life is a reality. We'll get into it a little bit next week, the following week. Because one thing about truth, truth is seeable. Truth is seeable. Your mouth can say one thing, but seeing you in action says another. Because truth is always seeable. Father, we just thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. Would you continue to do the work of sanctification in us, setting us apart for your glory, setting us apart unto yourself, setting us apart of the things of this world that are glitter and false gold and false hopes, but to bring us, Lord, into reality. To really allow us to say, 